Welcome to the Kara's Care Show and podcast where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundlin. Financial health is certainly part of being well, and spring is really a great time to clear out money clutter. Yes, that's a thing. We are joined by celebrity decluttering expert and author, Tracy McCubbin, and she's telling us how we can spring clean our finances on this first day of spring. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks, Kara. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. You know, we're all into decluttering, right? We're holding objects and saying, you know, does this bring me joy? Um, But money clutter, I once heard the quote that we often relate to time and money the same way. So we're either crammed, we don't have enough, or we have too much. So uh, what's our deal with money clutter? What is money clutter? So here's the thing. We've been having this conversation about decluttering for like 10 years now, right? We got to get rid of clutter and clutter costs us money and clutter costs us space and stress. But what nobody's been talking about the fact is where does the clutter come from? right? Where does it, how does it get into your house? So when I wrote my book, Make Space for Happiness, I wanted to draw the correlation between acquisition, between buying, that we buy the stuff that comes in that creates the clutter. So a great way to first step to start decluttering is to look at where you're spending your money and what are you buying? Did you need that thing? Did you want that thing? What was going on with you emotionally when you, you know, were you feeling lonely at night or do you have a fight with your spouse and you did some retail therapy? I just feel like we can't talk about decluttering if we're not talking about our spending. Right, right. So you have a new book, Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. So... uh, is part of our belief system, like how do we accumulate all this money clutter? So absolutely, we've sort of been told, you know, more is better. We are being marketed to 24 hours a day now, right? It used to be that the commercials were in between the TV shows, but now it's on Instagram and it's on Facebook and it's on our on devices. So we're constantly being told that we need to buy, buy, buy. And we've sort of started to use buying as kind of filling some things that are missing in our lives. I really saw this start to happen with my clients during the pandemic when people weren't connected to their communities. You know, they weren't able to go to church in person anymore. They weren't able to see their friends or have play dates. So people just started shopping to fill that loneliness and that worry. And what the result is, is not only do you drain your bank account, but you fill your house with stuff that you don't even really want. Right, right. And it's so easy now, right? Uh, You know, you can put your thumbprint in and something's on its way. So one of your tips, you say we should all be running an Amazon report. What's that? Yeah, this is a good one. And take a deep breath before you do it. Um, Amazon has a feature where you can run a report, and I believe you can run up to three months, and it will list every item that you bought, put it in a spreadsheet. And it's such a great thing to do for, you know, an individual or a family, especially if, you know, tax time is coming up and you're looking at implementing a budget, like really do a deep dive on what you spend on Amazon because we forget, like you said, you just hit a button. You don't care. You don't even have to put pants on to go 
anymore. (laughs) So all of a sudden these packages are just rolling in. And so running a report like this is like, oh, right. Did I, you know, did I need that thing? Did I not need it? And did I return it? Because that's another cause of clutter, right? You buy things that you don't need and you sort of forget to return them and they just stack up in the corner. So running an Amazon report is such a healthy way to really look at what you're spending on that site. Yes. And if you have teenagers and kids, I guess you need to run it and then highlight their names and make sure that they change the (laughs) passcode or something. But um, so anyway, whiteboards also, we think of those for school, but you say whiteboards are a good old fashioned legal board, sit down and make a list. Yeah, this is another great one. You know, look, this whole conversation is about accountability. How is the clutter getting into your house? Where are you spending your money to cause the clutter? So if you whiteboard out all your big purchases, and that can be $100 more or $25 more, and really look at them. And the thing that I tell people is, did you want it or did you need it? Because we say it all the time. Oh, I need a new pair of jeans. I need a new blah, blah, blah. There's very little that we actually need. And so if you can whiteboard out your purchases and go, oh, you know what? That was just a want. I was having a bad day that day, or I was mad at my kids, husband, wife, whatever, you know, all of a sudden just taking some accountability and understanding where you're spending your money. Yeah. Okay. So once you've seen it, I guess, then you can make some choices <laughs> and you want us to make an inventory of big purchases too. And that may not mean like cars and houses, like bigger than a hundred bucks or bigger than 50 bucks. Exactly. And I like my, for my house, I like to do it for $50 or more. You know, it depends on what your spending is, but you know, those 50, those hundred dollar purchases, they really add up. I mean, a pair of jeans this day, these days are going to cost you $200, right? So you sort of think in your head, like, no, oh, it's just a new pair of jeans. But really, when you start to add that up, and it's really about, again, just going back to the accountability. Where are you spending your money? What are you spending on? And is that stuff filling up your house? You know, I was in my closet the other day, and I was doing my spring annual closet audit, and editing out some things. And I was like, I have so many pairs of black pants from the pre-pandemic and when I used to kind of go out more than I did. I'm like, these are these are all the same item. Like I have six pairs of the same and I really only like two. So four could go away. I didn't like them as much. So it's really seeing where are you buying multiples? You know, where are you adding to the clutter and where's your money going? Well, I think we get, um, I do anyway, and I think a lot of us do get duped by uh, something that's probably uniquely American of the buy one, get one free, or buy now because it's 70% off today only, or, and, you know, there's all these discount sites now that will show this exclusive item maybe you thought you wanted, and it's on sale, so I got to buy it. Well, I always say, Kara, if everything's on sale, nothing's on sale right? That these, so many of these sites, what they do is they just double the price. So the mark, the markdown price is really the original price. I mean, that's one of the things they do at outlets, you know, that at all those outlet stores, that it's lesser quality made items. And they tell you what, they just make some price up and put it on a sticker and then mark it down. So a really another great thing for people to do is get very financially literate about what are you spending on it? What's the cost? Can you run some comparisons and do some, you know, a little bit of shopping and figure out where you get it for a different price? But this siren song of the sale, we just fall for it 
every single time. Yeah. And this is also impulsive, right? Because you think I got to do it now. Um, and my kids will say that too. They, they'll look on Amazon, but mom, if you don't get it now, it's they're selling out. I'm like, no, they're not. They say, you know, buy now <laughs> within the next 12 hours or, or what? It'll still be there. But, uh, so, but this is a problem because we do get impulsive or we might be having a bad day. So you recommend we wait at least 24 hours before every large purchase. Yeah, this is a great thing to do so that take a, Pick a dollar amount, $50, $100, and for every $50 that item costs, wait 24 hours. And you'll find that that impulse, exactly what you said, that impulse to buy, it could potentially go away, right? In the moment you think you do it because you got sucked into some pretty ad or some beautiful influencer, but if you wait 24 hours, you'll forget about it. And this is a really great thing that you brought up about being impulsive in our shopping. So when we buy something, especially when we buy something on sale, we get a little hit of dopamine, right? We feel like, ooh, that was fun. Like I got something. And and that dopamine is what keeps us shopping because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, if that one felt good, then another one will feel ever even better. If I got those shoes on sale, then these shoes on sale. And we start building, but that dopamine doesn't last. That's not where you really get fulfillment. So you're sort of just chasing your tail on this. So that's such a great thing to bring up is looking at where are you buying impulsively and what feeling did you have afterwards? I mean, a lot of times, and I hear this from clients all the time, they're like, I have a shopping hangover. Like I went shopping and I went on this spree online and the packages showed up and I'm full of regret. And it's like they got caught up in the impulse and then the actions afterwards. It's not too dissimilar to like having that third or fourth glass of wine or eating all the cookies, right? The first one feels good, but then all of a sudden you you indulge and you regret it. Yeah. And I'm saying you can apply that same thinking to shopping. Well, and you sort of have, you know, built your business um, on declutterify. A lot of people are following you and, and now you're attacking the money clutter. But I think um, for those of us who aren't as, I, I know you, I was reading about you said you had this ability to see through any mess and envision a clutter-free space. I know there are a lot of people out there are thinking, that's not me. I want everything neat, but like I'm overwhelmed and doing 10 million things. Um, so how do people start small so that they don't feel overwhelmed by trying to declutter their money? I love this. So one of the things exactly, especially post pandemic, this is what I saw that people are in such overwhelm. And I just kept getting messages like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. So I created these five minute decluttering challenges. I have them up on TikTok and Instagram. And I just pick one category, coffee mugs, socks, pens, just something super simple that you can sit down, focus on five, 10 minutes and knock it out. And the amazing thing is that people are doing this and saying to me, I did my whole house and I didn't realize it. I didn't have to give a whole weekend to it. I didn't have to tear everything apart. I just took it category by category. And the next thing I know, my kitchen was decluttered. So it's been really successful and it's really good for those of us which I think is everybody who feel like we're in overwhelm. Yeah, yeah. Or you just don't know how to start. Now, the other thing I guess you would probably tell us to be careful of is the need to think we have to buy a bunch of stuff in order to organize, because that's all over the Internet, too. <laughs> you can get really cool organizing <laughs> stuff for every kind of thing on Amazon. I'd like all the reels of get this to organize. <laughs> 
Oh, this is my this is my soapbox that I got on. Once you when you and this is also important to help people understand that decluttering and organizing are two separate tasks. Okay. You've got to declutter first before you organize. And for some people it's really hard to do them, you know, like sequentially, especially my my clients with ADHD. So you declutter first and then you organize. And before you go out and buy all those pretty bins, see what you have already in your house because chances are you already bought those bins a year ago and you forgot about them. Mm. So don't start your decluttering organizing process by running straight to the store or going on Amazon. Declutter first, figure out where things are going to live, and then see if you already have a bin or a basket that'll work. Chances are you do. Yeah, yeah. And you have an interesting background in that here you are, you've become an expert. They say often we teach what we have to learn, but you grew up in some, with some family members who were hoarders. And it, there's a psychological impact of living in clutter, living in money clutter. Maybe there's too many debts or accounts you're not keeping track of. You just live in this feeling of overwhelm. Absolutely. You know, I came from, I have a couple family members who were hoarders. I watched it my whole life. I watched the stress that it created um, and how it made their relationships very difficult. And I think for those of us who aren't dealing with hoarding disorder, it's understanding the cost of your clutter, understanding that it increases your stress. It gives you a constant to-do list. You're always like, I got to manage this. I got to move this around. And also you spent money on it. Right. Mm. You spent money on that clutter. So understanding that this has a big effect on your life. It's not about and it has never been about for me and working with my clients having a perfect house. I don't even know what that means. I don't care what your house looks like on Pinterest. I want your home to work for you and your family. I want it to be a place that you rest in, that you replenish, that you enjoy being in. And clutter distracts from all that. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that the five minute things, which again, you've got them on Instagram, you've got them on TikTok. Um, so that I, I do think it's a little addictive. Maybe we get a little dopamine when we finish the sock drawer too. But, you know, starting small, maybe using a, a timer, right? So we don't think I don't have all day. Yeah. I mean, uh, just like, all right, I promised myself I'm going to do five minutes of this. But maybe at the end of it, we're going to want to keep going. Absolutely. And this is another great thing to remember, especially if you've got a really busy life, which again, most of us do, put a little date in your calendar in the same way that like, if I don't schedule it, I'm not going to work out. If it's not in my calendar at a time, trust me, I'm like thinking like, oh, sure, maybe I'll go. So maybe you need to make a decluttering and organizing date with yourself. You know, know when you have an hour, when the kids are out of the house, schedule it in, turn off the phone. And like you said, set a timer, 20 minutes, half an hour and focus on it, which is a great way to hold yourself accountable. Some of us also, I think, want that extra hour if you do have it. Uh, you're not working and you're not driving a kid around. Oh, my gosh, I just want like to chill out, which not, you're not <laughs> saying that we shouldn't do that. But uh, do you have any tips on just how to I feel like the most organized people they just live differently. They don't make as big a mess to begin with. So I like to watch those people. I've had a roommate in college that was like that. But uh, any tips on like what you should be doing, say, while you're cooking dinner or little things you can do that are going to help and not really take a lot of time or be a whole nother scheduled event? Okay, this is that my grandma said this to me. And to this day, this is one of the best ways to stay on top of your clutter. Don't put it down, put it away. 
Yeah. Just taking that five minutes and putting the sweater back in the drawer, hanging the jacket up, putting the soccer shoes in the soccer bag. Just don't put things down because it takes so much longer afterwards to go through and gather everything up and put it in its right place. And you're sort of spending a Saturday morning doing it. But if you can, in the moment, put the dirty dishes in the dishwasher, Mm. you know, put the coffee cups away, put the things away, don't put them down, put them away. You're going to be ahead of the game. Yes. I try to tell that to my kids. Actually, I'm going to use your grandmother's (laughs) words. Don't put it down, put it away. But another rule, I think an organizing expert told me, and just have a rule that every day, you know, you're not going to allow anything on the floor. Because if you make that rule, then I guess you're forcing, I mean, the chair might get full, but like, I guess if you have this rule for yourself, (laughs) nothing can go on the floor, then your room is probably going to stay a lot neater. (laughs) Absolutely. And here's the other thing I want people to understand. And I think that sometimes the social media world of organizing um, doesn't remind people that organizing like cleaning, you know, it's a task you have to do all the time. You know, it's something like you've got to declutter all the time. You've got to organize all the time. You've got to clean your house. It's not, you don't do it once and then it's done forever. And I think people can get a little frustrated at themselves and be like, how am I back here? But it's like, well, because you've been living your life, you know, when things get out of place, a really good um, test I always tell people, if you can't return your, like a room, your living room, your kitchen to the way you like it in 20 minutes or less, the clutter's gotten the upper hand. Okay. So if all of a sudden you're like, it takes me an hour to clean my room or tidy my closet, I think I might have too much stuff. Mm. So let's talk about the too much stuff, because this is also about getting rid of money clutter. And I know for some people, they're like, not only do I want to not have too much clutter, but I want to have more money. So is there something in the book that we're going to learn about how to not only get rid of our money clutter, but turn it into money? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, here's where I'm the bearer of bad news. As people who have done this have experienced, you know, selling used things is not highly, highly profitable. You know, used furniture is, you know, you get what people pay for it. So what I tell people is, If they want to try and sell things, first of all, realize the amount of time it takes, right? You got to put the picture up, you got to post, you got to have people come to your house. Is that how you want to be spending your time? Is it worth it for you to do it? Would you get a better financial return if you donated things and got a tax receipt? Like maybe that's actually better than trying to sell things. Mm. And also sometimes it might not be worth your time you know, to sell something for say $10. Maybe it's better to put it on a buy nothing group or give it to a friend, you know, getting it out of your house. Mm. So do a little bit of math of, you know, realistically, what's the time that you have? I cannot tell you how many homes I've been into where they have a giant pile in the garage or in the corner of the family room. And they're like, oh, this is stuff I'm intending to sell. And I was like, well, how long has it been there? And they'll be like a year, yeah. six months. Right, like, right, right. Well, at that point, you're not doing it. So right. maybe you just need to forgive yourself for spending that money and donate it or pass it along to someone who will use it. Back to that 24-hour rule. I think this is a good one for folks of, you know, at least we get past that impulsiveness, that need for the little dopamine hit of, all right, I'm putting it in the cart for 24 hours. And you say, one thing we need to do is then ask ourselves, would we rather put that money into a savings account or pay toward a credit card bill? 
Absolutely. That's such a, and now with apps, with all the banking apps and your credit card apps, you can do it immediately. I had a friend tell me recently that he did this trick. He, everything that was over $100, he put it in the cart 24 hours, went back and revisited it. If he decided not to buy it, he moved the money into a savings account. And I think he said after like six or seven months, he had enough money to buy a plane ticket to go to Hawaii that he used that money for something he really wanted yeah. to do. And he said it was so satisfying to see that, not only not spend that money on a thing he didn't necessarily want, a new drone or whatever, but to see it go into a savings account, make a little bit of interest, and then have this great life experience at the end of it. So that's such a great thing to do. You know, instead of buying it, move it into a savings account, or like you said, pay down a credit card right there, 100 bucks pay it down, pay it down, you know, and you'll see it, the, the balance start to diminish. And that is so satisfying. Mm. Now, some people might have gotten in bad habits and they're definitely feeling like some shame, right? They've overspent. They don't like the idea of a budget. So they're overspent. They're overwhelmed. They're feeling like, so I, I think you address that too, that we kind of want to do a fresh start rather than I'm going to sell all this stuff or whatever, but starting now and moving forward, changing habits starting now can have a big effect. Absolutely. And first of all, like you're a human, we're all humans. We make mistakes. We do a thing, you know, beating yourself up and having shame around it is not going to get you to the next spot. So taking a breath, acknowledging that's why doing an accounting, that's why running an Amazon report and going, Oh, wow, I spent all this money. I didn't even want any of that stuff. I feel bad about it. So let me change my behavior. Let me let me understand that this is why I did it. I was going through a super stressful time, you know, whatever your emotional reasons are, and then making a change instead of beating yourself up. Because sometimes when we go down the shame spiral, it paralyzes us, right? Mm -hmm. We don't do yeah. anything because we're so embarrassed. But if you can look at it, acknowledge it, confront it, that's going to help you change your behavior. And then I guess we get, I get motivated. And I think this is true in psychology. We get motivated by success. So I guess talk about the rewards that you're going to have if you start doing some of these techniques. Absolutely. I, I always tell people the first step when they want to start a decluttering journey is to ask yourself why. And the why can't be a negative thing. Oh, I'm a lazy, I'm a bad housekeeper. I want the why to be, I want to empty my guest room so my grandkids can come and stay. I want to clean out my garage so I can park my car inside there, right? Get set a goal. And then as you start to declutter, as you start to change your behavior, celebrate your successes. And with decluttering, you're going to lower your stress. You're going to create beautiful space in your home. You're going to want to be in your home. I mean, one of the most amazing things, I get this DM all the time that people are like, I decluttered my kitchen. And you know what? I stopped going out to eat so much. I realized I was ordering takeout or going through the drive-through because my kitchen was so cluttered. I didn't want to be in there. And then they declutter their kitchen. And I'm like, oh, it's so much easier to cook a healthy meal. There are so many positive benefits to decluttering. And, you know, really, as you said, building on your success and creating a home that you want to be in, as opposed to something that just sucks your energy and stresses you out when you walk through the door. 
Yeah. And what are some of your favorite places to help? Because I do think when you're in the mood, you got to do this now, right? And get these wins. And so you're right, trying to sell it on Facebook Marketplace. And then two weeks later, you're like, oh, my God, it's still there. And then it's still sitting in your house. <laughs> so um, I know around here, if you're listening, watching in Connecticut, Big Brothers, Big Sisters is a great place because they'll take anything, men's, women's, kids, and you schedule a pickup and like, you just set it out on your porch and they take it. But any other ideas, like when you're in that mood of like, how am I going to get rid of some of this stuff? Absolutely. First of all, I'm with you. I love Big Brothers and Big Sisters. That's an amazing organization and we donate to them all the time. Another fantastic organization is the Habitat for Humanity Restores. They're all over the country and you can donate you know, tools and house supplies and all sorts of stuff. That's a great, because they build homes in your community. Mm. Um, I'm another big fan of donating to local animal shelters, your old towels, your old sheets. You know, they always need them for the rescue animals. Um, that's a great place. Also, and I hate that we even have to do this, but, you know, so many of our teachers are buying their school supplies for themselves. So I have a couple teachers that I'll call when we have a lot of pens or paper or crafting supplies. Like giving it to a local teacher is an amazing way to make sure that it's used and save them from spending their own money. Right. And so it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I, I think about, oh, gosh, I have a drawer like that filled with, you know, every year colored pencils is on the list. I'm like, guys, I know we don't need colored pencils. <laughs> They're stuffed everywhere. So but even if they've fallen out of the boxes or the crayons aren't as good, a teacher might, you know, maybe just put in a nice Ziploc bag of mixed. Here's some mixed supplies and they'll be happy with that. They won't be like, why are you giving me all your old stuff? No, 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 no. And just ask, you know, yeah. sometimes you can leave them at the front desk in the school and say, hey, I want to put this in the closet. It's just, it's great. It's absolutely great. And also don't be afraid to rely on your own community. You know, do you have a young family across the street that just had a baby and you have a bunch of baby clothes? Like that's, um, that's why I love those buy nothing groups too. Yeah. You put something up and it's someone in your community. You know, we need to get back to normalizing. I mean, when I was a kid, we called them hand-me-downs, right? right? That's something somebody else had worn. I mean, you have kids, how fast do they grow out of their clothes? Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they're teens now, so now only the boy is growing out of them. The girl is stabilized. But right, I'll try and tell her like, okay, listen, you don't even want this anymore. And you paid whatever for, you know, so I guess it's good things um, to teach them as well. Uh, just the buy nothing groups, if that's new to some folks, those are usually on Facebook, right? And they're town by town. So you could probably see if your town has one and they're usually easy to join. And it just means you're giving your stuff away and you post something easy and someone comes and picks it up. Absolutely. Mostly on Facebook. Yeah, it's a great place for it. Sometimes in the bigger cities, they're even by neighborhood. Okay. And you put up things that you want to get rid of. And we, perfect example, we got like 15 brand new big, those big three ring binders. You know, they're like six, seven dollars each. Right. We got them from a client. My assistant put them up on a buy nothing group and like three, like a grad student and two different professors were like, oh, I need these and came and picked them up and like a half an hour. So the great thing, and this is if letting go of things is hard for you, sometimes if you are letting go and giving it to someone you know who will use it, it makes it easier to let go, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, this isn't going in the landfill. This isn't just going in a giant you know, thrift store somewhere, I'm actually giving it to someone who can use it. And that's what buy nothing groups do. You actually yeah. meet the people that are using it and you're helping create community.
Tracy, thank you so much. The new book is called Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. It's available where books are sold now. Um, we appreciate you being on, and I, I want everyone to share this and maybe listen to it a few times while you're decluttering your house. So I, we appreciate you coming on. I'm going to go run an Amazon report. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tracy. And if you want more information on the cutting edge of wellness, you can follow uh, the Kara's Cures Facebook group. Also, you can follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.